I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Raise your hand if you can be a cranky mom. One of the things that makes me cranky is when my kids aren't getting along. Another thing is not getting my work done during the day or when things don't work out the way I planned. I could be irritable, touchy, and easy to get upset. Lately, it's when I'm tired and I just don't feel like making one more decision. Over time, I've learned to identify these triggers and to be proactive. This is incredible to know because I can either plan ahead for them or coach myself through them. This week's guest is Becky Kapitsky. She is a wife, a mom of two, a speaker, and a writing coach, as well as the author of three books, including The Cranky Mom Fix. She is here to talk with us today about taming the momster with biblical wisdom and mom-tested tips so that you can reclaim true peace for your soul and your home. In our conversation, we talked about practical ways to address our kids' behavior when they're not getting along, what are common crankiness triggers, the benefits of sharing your feelings with your kids, and three family rules that will benefit your home. But before we head over to my chat with Becky, I wanted to tell you about this month's pop-up podcast. It's one you are not going to want to miss. Some of the feedback I got from you in the surveys you filled out were about wanting to spend more quality time together. You mentioned prioritizing time with each family member, creating deeper bonds with one another, and wanting more unity and joy. Now, I have a lot to say about family fun and connection because we have worked hard to make it a part of our lives, but I wanted to hear what others had to say. So just like last time, I've gathered family coaches, authors, and experts that I know and respect to hear their ideas about it. I'm excited to announce that these conversations will be available as a pop-up podcast through the week of June 13th. In these episodes, we talk about how to connect with your kids in meaningful ways, create memories that will last a lifetime, and help your kids develop a sense of identity and belonging. Now, this pop-up podcast is an audio-only event that you can listen to on the go. The only catch is you have to listen to them before June 17th when the episodes disappear. If this is something that you want to learn more about, you can sign up for it at buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash pop-up podcast or through the link in today's show notes. Now to our conversation with Becky. Welcome, Becky. It is fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much, Kimberly. It's fun to be here. So a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Well, that's a great question. And in fact, I asked for some help for that from some friends. <laughs> Got a lot of interesting answers. Like that we're known for my husband's homemade salsa, apparently. Oh, <laughs> that's something good to be known for. Yes, it is. <laughs> but but if you were to ask my husband and me, um, we would say we hope that we're known for building an intentional family. Both he and I are entrepreneurs and we work from home. We've built our lifestyle around what we believe are our priorities being available for our families. So that's mm-hmm. that's what we hope our children remember us for yeah, when they're grown. That. Yeah. So besides the salsa, if we come to your house, what can we expect? 
Oh, you can expect uh, plenty of mess, but a lot of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, we recently, about a month ago, moved to a new home and are getting ourselves established. So we're still partly in boxes, but I'm at the stage of my life where my kids aren't littles anymore. So I think I can have a Pinterest worthy entryway. I can have some nice, lovely surroundings, but the more I create that, the more I realize that's never been the focus. That's not where the beauty comes from. The beauty mm-hmm. comes from the people inside the home. So we are most likely likely going to be ordering pizzas. That's how we roll. <laughs> it's not going to be anything fancy here in our house, but I really hope that anybody who enters here just senses that there. this is a group of people who love each other and are doing our best to show it. Oh, I love that. All right. So here you're here to talk to us about your new book called The Cranky Mom Fix. And in it, you talk about getting rid of the cranky mom or what you like to call the momster. So yes. let's talk about this. And is it actually possible to remedy the cranky mom phase oh. syndrome. What what do we what do we call it? Absolutely right. <laughs> what do we call it? It's it's that thing that every mom has. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> a tendency to become impatient, to become angry, to uh, be, to snap at the kids. And that tendency can be remedied because I'm living proof of it. I used to be my natural my default state was to snap at the kids and to be frustrated and to scold them more than I enjoyed them. And that was a problem. And so I just, for me, I'm my faith is a very big part of who I am as a mom and who I am as a person. And so I would dive into scripture and figure out what do I do with these impatient feelings, with this stress that I'm feeling, with, with how I was grappling with learning to become a good Christ-centered mother. And and then I realized there really is no such thing as a good mother. There's only a good God who works through us. Yes. And that's why I believe it is absolutely possible to remedy the monster because it's a job that God does in us. We don't do it ourselves. We can put some disciplines in place. We can um, seek to improve through practice some of the ways that we respond to our kids, some of the ways that we allow thoughts to fester in our heads. Mm-hmm. But if we're not leaning on the Lord to do it, it's going to be really tough. So that's mm-hmm. why for me, it is possible because it's not up to us to make it happen. Yeah. And it can be easy to think that if we had the perfect family, the most well-behaved kids, if our kids, if our husband just did what we thought that they should be doing, <laughs> then well, that's everything a whole other episode, fine. isn't it? <laughs> it wouldn't yes. be cranky. Um, right. Yeah. And Which so is I not love true. Focus. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love your focus is not on changing your circumstances in order to get you to feel differently. Exactly. It's a heart issue for all of us. It's a heart issue. It's what we're allowing into our heart, what we're allowing to come out of it. And the circumstances, regardless of those, like you said, you can have the most perfect household and you'll still find something to complain about within it. Mm -hmm. So I think if we can look beyond our circumstances, the the good news in that is that it's possible for anyone to be released from really the prison of feeling like a cranky mom because nobody likes to be cranky. We don't love ourselves when we're acting that way. Mm -hmm. So really it's a release, not just for our sake, but for the whole family's sake as well. Yeah. So I do want to ask you, (laughs) because one of the things that does make me cranky is when my kids aren't getting along. So yes, my circumstances. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that you have some tips on how to respond to that and even how to get them to work as a team, to get along. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I've also learned through practice, right? But mm-hmm. I, it's funny that you ask that because it, this is such a focus for me and was at one point in my life that I developed a, a worksheet for moms that I offer now on my website. It's 20 activities 
and questions to help siblings get along because so much of what of our response, our crankiness, we think is triggered by the kids. Really, it's often triggered by something else, but then the kids sort of snap yes. us over the edge. And so th- there's so many ways that we can get our kids to be thinking intentionally about getting along with each other. And it does take practice because the sin nature is nobody wants to get along with anybody. Everybody wants to feel entitled to their own rights and their own happiness, and they don't want to share and all the things that make the kids not get along in the first place. But a mom can turn that around by shifting their focus. And so I have a lot of practical ideas. Some of my favorites are just to get the kids talking to each other, getting their minds off of whatever it is that they're bickering about and coming up with something, uh, asking them a question that gets them to think completely differently. Like um, here's one of my tips. Imagine that you lived on a, you had to live on a desert island for a week. The two of you or the three of you, the siblings, you had to live together on this island for a week. You were going to sit here and you're going to come up with a list of three things that you would need on that island. And I'm not letting you away from this table until you agree on a list of three things and you tell me what they are. So do you get them problem solving, not about the problem they're actually having with each other, but about right. something that gets them working together. So you do or, this in the midst of a problem? In the midst of a problem. Okay. I, I used to have my, when my, so my kiddos now are almost 15 and 12. And when they were small, of course, I would do the tricks like make them wear one of dad's big T-shirts together with both their heads popping out of the neck hole. Right. And 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 make them sit on the sofa and hold hands until they started laughing. So you can do those types of things as well. But once the kids are old enough to kind of start thinking together about why are we not getting along? Isn't it more fun when we do get along, but give them some tools to allow it to happen. So, you know, another one is pretend your brother or your sister was captured by aliens. What what would be your plan to rescue your brother or sister? And then in the middle of an argument, they're going to say nothing. I don't want to do anything to rescue them. You say, nope, that's not the right answer. You know, you are grounded to this sofa until you come up with a plan. And then they just, it gets them thinking creatively. It, it, It gets them thinking about something other than that argument that they were just having. Mm -hmm. And then in moments when they're not arguing, you can bring up some of these activities so that they start to recognize, oh, I really do kind of like this person. I like hanging out with this person. And so it's not always to be done in the moment of the frustration among the kids, but also outside of those moments, give them opportunities to build positive experiences and relationships with each other. And then hopefully those will It'll be, they won't necessarily um, overtake the moments when the kids will want to fight, but at least they'll give them something, a, a base to go back to when yeah. they are in that middle of arguing as they'll remember their foundation is actually a good relationship. Um, I love that. When you said positive moments, I I'm, I'm a big fan of creating situations for my kids to work as a team, yeah. but you know, as you said that, have you read, um, Gottman's book on marriage? I have not. No, but I hear good but, things. Yeah. So I, I, we got about, me and my husband got about halfway through and then we got stuck on some of the exercises. <laughs> We're working on it. We might take a few years. Yeah, right. But one, but one of the things he talks about is this idea of positive sentiment override and how most marriages succeed because they have this, this um, reserve of po- positive sentiment override. And no matter what kind of um, argument they get into or disruption that they get into, that they can bounce back from it because it's all of those positive moments that have built up over time that sort of creates that elasticity. And as you were saying that, it just occurred to me that I'm sure that the same thing happens with children. Mm-hmm. It, it must. And the whole idea of what kind of a foundational relationship do they have in the first place? Yeah. Are you filling their tank with positive experiences with one another? Mm-hmm. So that that is the that is more of the default. That's the 90% versus yeah. the 10%. Uh, you know, of which they are bickering over, which is the same for marriage, same for sibling relationships. 
Yeah. That's what I like to think. And I bet as a mom, if you can begin to recognize the times that they are getting along and savor those moments, I think you'll probably have a lot more patience for women. Yes. (laughs) And praise them when you see it, Mm -hmm. praise them. I often will go to my girls, especially when they were younger and say, thank you for playing so well together on that game. You're just doing really well. Or my older daughter, I would praise her. Thank you for playing so well with your younger sister and making her a part Mm -hmm. of your activity today. Mm -hmm. And the younger one, thank you for being patient with your older sister and whatever it is. If we see them getting along well, affirm it and then capture those memories because mm-hmm. that's that's what we want to capture as being the uh, the the picture that we've painted through a childhood versus the yeah. splotches of stain that get on the painting when they're having moments of discord. It's yeah. better if we have a wider scope, a picture of all of the beautiful moments because then it will help us yeah. to look at those negative moments as being just a pepper of color versus the entire picture. Mm, Yeah. And I I think I've read about studies that when you rehearse memories, joyful memories, they become solidified. And that is what you remember when you look back. It's not those negative times. Yeah. And so when we're in those moments, what are we festering on, right? Are we festering over the things that are annoying us or are we allowing our minds to, to, revisit the positives that we've had. And that's actually a trick I use with, with my husband. If I'm frustrated with him over something, I will stop and say, all right, but he is really, he's so loyal. He's a fantastic dad. He knows how to, he mows the lawn. He knows how to fix the sink. Right. So I just go through these positives and I realize that whatever that, that 1% that I'm griping over right now should not trump the 99%. Yeah. That makes him someone, mo- the most important human in my life, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's so easy though, to allow that 1% or whatever your situation may be, the 10%, the 20%, it's still small compared mm-hmm. to the positives of mm-hmm. that relationship most yeah. often. And if kids, if kids give pushback, is it just as easy as saying you're on the couch until you cooperate? Or what have you seen in terms of like kids <sighs> not wanting to well, stop, it, it drop, and be positive. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to stop, drop, and be positive? No, I don't. So it takes practice. It takes practice. But most often, I just recognize for myself in that moment that my kids are sinners like I am. Mm-hmm. And so um, usually in the moment, if they don't want to engage, then I separate. I'll just mm-hmm. say, okay, then we're, we're, you're going to go in separate rooms until you're ready to talk to each other. So if, if it, it's such a blow up that they're not ready to sit together at a table and talk to each other, then um, I will separate until the steam has dissipated mm-hmm. and they're ready to come together because the pushback usually comes when they're really frustrated and they just don't want to have anything to do with the other. But interesting enough, in my case, this has been my experience and, and some of my friends as well, we've had conversations about how the separation itself causes the kids to realize they really do want to be together. So if you'll yeah. say, I'm sorry, you have to spend the afternoon apart. You can't be in each other's presence this afternoon because you're not getting along well. Then they realize, well, I'm kind of bored. I want somebody <laughs> to hang out with. And, and they start asking if they can spend time together. That's not going to be the case for every parent right. but um, or every family. But it's an interesting experiment to see. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the kids realize, wow, when I really am not allowed to be with this person, yeah. then that person becomes more appealing to me. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> okay. So what are some other common crankiness triggers and, and how is it helpful for us to recognize them? Oh, it's important to recognize what our triggers mm-hmm. are because then I like to say we are battling a known adversary. 
Otherwise, if we don't even understand what's causing the crankiness, how can we ever overcome it? And I see, uh, I look at cranky triggers as coming in, a, I would say, four or five categories, if you call the fifth, the kid's behavior. But it doesn't actually start with the kid's behavior. There's usually something underlying that makes us more prone to not responding well Mm, to the kid's misbehavior or their bickering. And that can come in a category of emotional. Am I worried? Am I feeling disappointed over something? Am I having stress over my job? Or if I just had a conflict with my husband? in which case I'm very easy to tip over the edge with anybody else. Physical triggers. For me, a big one is just being fatigued. If I feel like I've not gotten adequate rest and I'm just exhausted, I have a much shorter fuse. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you've got a headache or you're hangry and you just are more likely to snap. Or environmental triggers, like a a big one for me is am I distracted? I'm just too busy. I've got too much else on my mind. Or feeling rushed. That's a big one for me too. If I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm rushed to get somewhere and the kids aren't cooperating, I'm much more likely to snap at them. And then also spiritual. For me, if I'm neglecting um, time with God, if I'm not having any time to fuel so that I have something to pour out, or if I'm, I just haven't had adequate connection with other people who know me and care about me, friendships, that kind of thing, then I just become spiritually depleted. And out of that, there's less patience to pour out on my Mm -hmm. kids. What do you think? So Kimberly, do you have those same experiences? Yeah, I would think mine has to do with community. Like, especially if, if I haven't been with a good friend or had a great conversation or feel seen and heard, and then my, my kids or my husband needs something from me. And I feel like I'm just there to serve everybody. (laughs) Doesn't (laughs) anybody care about my day? Like I can go there so fast. I can too. (laughs) Um, So I am mindful of that, you know, and my husband in the past has said like, you're such a different person after you've seen your friends, like, you know, just bring, you know, you just bring a different dynamic. Um, Definitely hungry. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah. And I'm learning to, to vocalize like, cause my kids are older now and just to say, Hey, I am not doing okay. Like I'm really annoyed or I'm cranky. Like I let them know, kind of give them a heads up. And I'll like, sometimes I'll even say why it is. So just give me a, yeah. give me a moment. Give me <laughs> me too. And that puts them at ease in a way because I think it helps them first of all, realize mom's not perfect. Therefore I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, the goal here is not for me to be perfect either. Mm-hmm. Mom's leaning on Jesus in this moment. And I think that's a good example to them. But secondly, it takes the pressure off of them. Like what, you know, yeah. it, it's not you right now, kids. It's me. I do that often. I'll say, girls, look, I'm, I'm stressed over this deadline and I'm not, I'm going to, if I'm acting short towards you, I apologize. It has nothing to do with you you know, will you pray for me or will, will you make dinner for me tonight? So that that's a great thing about having a 15 year old daughter. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Will you make dinner tonight so that I can have a little uh, more time to finish this project, whatever it might be as the kids get older, especially I'm a hundred percent with you on that. It's important to openly communicate with them. And so yeah. that they see mom's not a perfect person. Yeah. You know, the goal here is not perfection. I don't expect it of my kids and I don't want them to expect it of me. We're all humans mm-hmm. and it's yeah. important for them to recognize that. Yeah. I think. And that's a thing that comes with practice, like recognizing what your trigger is so that you can then yes. express it to other people and share what's going on so that they don't carry that burden. I mean, I, the last yeah. thing I want my kids to do is walk on eggshells or for them to not know what they're going to get from me. Like, is today yes. a good day? Is mom great today? Is she not great tomorrow? Like, <clears throat> yeah. and for me, my journey was really 
like, I think my, the impetus for me understanding my triggers was just wanting some consistency at my home, like yeah. wanting it to be a safe place for my kids. Um, you know, cause I felt like I was, I was on that roller coaster a little bit growing up mm-hmm. and I just, that doesn't mean I was perfect. That doesn't mean I had it all figured out. That doesn't mean I was getting anything right. It was just, I wanted to respond consistently yeah. for them. Yeah. And it does take practice and awareness. Like you said, I actually, yeah. when as I, at one point had a coaching program on the cranky mom fix, it was a live mm-hmm. coaching program with gals. And I encouraged them to keep a record of their triggers. And some mm-hmm. of them were surprised at what they were. So they just started keeping a log each day. And then over a week, they'd look back and say, wow, this is, I really acted up when this had happened. And and it helped them to identify what was causing the issues in the first place. And then you Mm -hmm. can maybe get to the root cause. You know, is it, Mm -hmm. do do you, you know, is it because you're, when you're hungry? Okay, well, make sure (laughs) that either you're never around another human being the hour before dinner time, or more likely, what are you doing to to prevent the situation that's causing the crankiness or at best, you know, at least be aware of what, mm-hmm. how, how you are likely to respond mm-hmm. when you're facing that trigger. Yeah, for sure. And so how do, um, the lies we believe about ourselves play into that, mm. into the, these triggers? Cause sometimes they are preventable and sometimes they're, they're kind of unassuming and we don't notice them. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, a, a big lie I believe for a long time was expectations that I had on myself that no one else had for me. So do we think that we are supposed to be a perfect mother? Do we think that being an excellent wife or an excellent mom looks like ABC when really that's not the expectation that our husband or our kids have for us? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it's just being realistic about what they need from us versus what we think we're supposed to deliver. And then of course, I, a big lie is I just, this is just who I am. I just can't change it. And I know I just, I resigned to being a slave to being cranky because that's just who I am or, or, you know, to, to whatever it might be, you know, whatever you think is, is at the root of the way your family is not getting along the way you want them to. Mm -hmm. Are we really a slave to that? Or do we have a choice? Mm -hmm. That's the question we need to ask. And when it comes to crankiness, I actually, actually, think more women believe that um, they are just, it's just how parenting is mm. that it's, this is just being a mom. I'm going to get cranky. I'm going to blow up at the kids. There's nothing I can do to change it. And that I don't find that to be true. I'm living proof as we were discussing in the beginning mm-hmm. that you can overcome and you have a choice. So don't believe you that you don't have a choice about how you act or how you feel in a day. Um, Again, emotions are so wonky. They can take you in all sorts of wacky directions. But if you're leaning on truth, which is that I I have strength in me that can overcome this challenge, um, then it's just a matter of putting some parameters in place to overcome and mm-hmm. believe that you can. That to me, it's to be self-defeating is probably the worst lie. Is mm-hmm. I can I, I can never change because as we said, as moms, we're not happy when we're in that place. Yeah. We're creating chaos, chaos around us or we're responding to the chaos around us by being cranky. That It doesn't make us happy. That's not the kind of mother we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so for not just for the kids' sake, but for our own, it's possible to break free from that. So yeah. I would say do not believe the lie that says you can't. Yeah. 
And even from a health perspective, like our, physically, we are so much, we, we have so much more longevity if when we can manage our emotions and keep yes. it in the proper perspective and not be sort of revved up all day. Or yes. like when the kids get home from the time dinner's done, it's like that yes. constant agitation. Right. Wouldn't peace be a great solution? I mean, an alternative to yeah. constantly feeling like your anxiety is heightened because yeah. you're on edge or, or feeling frustrated. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of finding peace for your own soul in mm-hmm. your household to, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, enjoy your family more than you're annoyed by them. Enjoy your family more than you scold them. And then mm-hmm. too, I think if we look less at our children, like as a problem we're supposed to solve, and more like people that we get to nurture. It's just a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I thought I'm responsible for these children. They have to turn out well. It's all on me. And so I would get very uptight about every decision I made in parenting until I started looking at my children as human beings that God created and gave to me to be able to raise and enjoy. And in which case, some of the pressure was off. And I realized they're also they're here for me mm-hmm. to delight in. Yeah. And not everything is a character flaw that I need to reshape. (laughs) Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just, this is who God created my kids to be. And I want to nurture who he actually created them to be, not who I think they're supposed to be. Yeah. And that delight is going to sow seeds into your future relationship with them for sure. As they become adults. Um, My oldest is 18. I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh, like our relationship is changing and it's amazing. But like that delight has to be sown into their lives when they're young so that when they are adults that, you know, you can continue to have a great relationship with them. Enjoy who they are. Right. Yeah. That's my aim now, especially as my older daughter is, she started high school this year and I look at her and say, things have got to change. It's no longer about me telling you what to do. It's about me listening Mm -hmm. to what's going on in your life, Mm -hmm. maybe offering advice if it's called for, but just guiding her through and learning more about who she is yeah. and letting her know that who she is, is beautiful because God created her that way. Yeah. So that, that's, it does, it, it shifts and it changes and we learn as we go, but what an adventure and what a joy and a gift really that mm-hmm. we get to walk alongside our children, even though they don't always feel like a gift when they're not getting along <laughs> or we're tired or we're hangry. Right. But in, in truth, again, if we lean on truth more than we lean on our feelings or emotions, then we can open our eyes and see that this life, this is what we wanted. Mm-hmm. I often think about that. This is what I wanted, yeah. you know, 20, 25 years ago when I just couldn't wait for a mortgage and my own laundry machine and a husband <laughs> to love me. And now here I have all the things I wish Toilets to clean. <laughs> yes, toilets to clean. And, you know, daughter's old enough to help you clean the toilets. Mm-hmm. All of it's here now. Mm-hmm. And so if we step back and look at how far we've come, mm-hmm. I think we can find joy in that alone. Yeah. All right. So I heard that you have three family rules. I want to hear a little bit more about what they are and why they're vital in your family life. Yeah, We've started these when the kids were smaller and I don't take credit for them. They were belong to a friend of mine. She got them from her mother-in-law. So there are three family rules that really encompass all of the other smaller rules, Mm -hmm. just three family rules. And the first one is to obey the first time or for little kids, we say obey fast. Mm -hmm. The second is no disrespectful talk. No back talk, no sassy talk, however your kids will relate to it. And then number three, no hurting someone on purpose. And that includes both both physical hurt and emotional hurt. And I like that it says on purpose Mm -hmm. because that means sometimes you didn't mean to, 
you know, you accidentally whacked your sister in the head. You didn't mean to. And so we have grace and we have apologies. But if you hurt someone on purpose, that talks to your heart's intentions. Mm. And so those are the three rules that, again, they encompass everything. For a while, my husband and I had so many rules we couldn't yeah. even keep track of them. You know, well, we said no kicking, no hitting, no punching, no jumping <laughs> off the sofa, no, you know, <laughs> no rolling your eyes at mom. And and now no disrespectful talk that includes no rolling your eyes at mom and you know, kicking, punching, hurting, it's all in the no hurting someone on purpose. It also means don't ignore your sister. Don't speak an unkind word to her because mm-hmm. that is hurting her on purpose. So those three rules encompass everything. And from littles on, you can help them to understand that. And they're all, you know, they're all rooted in, in scripture, obey the first time. Well, delayed obedience is disobedience. Yeah. That's something we hear often. Right. And so obey the first time means mom's mom didn't tell you to pick up your toys so that you could wait half an hour to pick up your toys. And I'm not sure I shouldn't have to tell you three times. Yeah. And you use these rules as training tools. You yeah. don't automatically go to punishment if they don't right. meet one of the That's expectations, good. but use them as training tools. And our mm-hmm. girls for a number of years were able to rattle off our three rules. And so it, because they're easy to remember just three, that's all Mm -hmm. you need. Just three Mm -hmm. rules. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Cause that that's what's developed your culture and they're easy to remember and they guide you through the ups and downs. They're going to guide those kids when you're not around and you're not looking over their shoulder, making sure they're doing what they need to do. I love that. Right. Guiding principles, right? If we can create those for our kids and for ourselves. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's why I love what you do in building family cultures. It's those guiding principles we're creating for ourselves. Yeah. Right. What is it? What are our family's values and how do we live them out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up. So any mom that's out there and she's like, I just don't know if I can do this. What encouragement do you have for her? <laughs> well, I want to tell her that she can, if she has become a mother, whether it's through birth or adoption, she has been called to a very um, high position and, it, it she doesn't have to do it alone. If you have faith in Christ, God will guide you through. If even if you're not a woman of faith, you have friends that you can connect with, people who can shore you up. Lean on those people and know that it's never too late to change your attitude, to change your approach, to learn a new way to engage with your kids. And then just I want to tell her to give herself a lot of grace. We are so hard on ourselves as mothers. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe our kids are resilient. And in the end, they remember the good stuff. So we should remember the good stuff too. That's good. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Kimberly. It's been really fun to be here. You can find Becky at BeckyKapitsky.com. She's on Instagram as Becky Kapitsky, and she's on Facebook as Becky Kapitsky Timeout. I'll link to this and where you can find her book in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at at Kimberly Amici, and you can find the podcast at at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.